Yeah, and a lot of people, they point this out and they're like, this is why women shouldn't vote. And this, you know, does, they, they'll say that this causes differential voting behavior in men and women, and that if women weren't voting, we would have uh, better outcomes. And I don't know, like, I actually, I, I want to come at this, like, as, as much of an outsider as possible. Is this true? I question, though, the extent to which this, these dynamics of conflict and, like, the winning party translate over to to politics like to political issues like I, I i don't are you denying that men and women vote differently no no no. i i do think i do well we know we know that men and women vote differently and have very different what's standards. the point that you're making would you like to know more you sure i appreciate it so Simone, <laughs> we'll get started now i am so excited to be talking with you so we have this policy where we send each other interesting research when we find it mm -hmm. um, and simone sent me some research today which was really elucidating because i always like when research disconfirms the hypothesis that the researcher went into it with so uh... The researcher was looking at the really high suicide rate in men when compared with women. You know, we see right, this right. as a sign of mental health issues in our society. And he assumed, and I can see how somebody, especially if they're tainted by like the virus, would assume this, that, well, that must be what a men have that women don't have. It's masculinity. Therefore, it's masculinity, which is causing this yes. um, because masculinity is like a toxic thing for men to experience. Mm, masculinity, j'accuse. Mm-hmm. So then he ran a big study, a big yeah. study. He, he ran a big study on this. And what he found is that actually masculinity correlated with much better mental health in men instead of worse mental health in men. Yeah. So let's, let's get into this because I thought it was interesting. That, and, and there's a really great overview. Maybe Malcolm, you can link to it from SciPost, which we've been reading since God, like 2016. I love SciPost so much. SciPost.org. P-S-Y-P-O-S-T. They, they post summaries of a lot of psychology studies as they come out. They link to them, which is very helpful because so many articles, like we're talking New York Times, Wall Street Journal, never link to the studies they reference. It drives me nuts because then you can never like, what's the methodology? like? And then often what they also do now that they've grown to become a bigger brand than they used to be is they will interview the researchers that have just published the study, which is just great. So this particular study was authored by John Barry. That's the guy that Malcolm was talking about. And it was it was published in Perspectives in Male Psychology. Or sorry, he's the author of Perspectives in Male Psychology as an introduction. But so the study that he did that we're talking about here that we, I thought was really interesting and shared with Malcolm was one in which he surveyed over 2,000 men in the UK and over 2,000 men in Germany. So this is like, you know, specific set of people. And I think it's really important to like set that as a baseline. The SciPost summary states, a key part of the survey was the positive mindset index, a tool used to measure mental positivity. The scale consists of questions designed to assess the feelings of happiness, confidence, control, emotional stability, motivation, and optimism. The survey also included several questions specifically about masculinity designed to understand how men perceive its impact on their lives. These questions were grouped into categories that reflected whether men saw masculinity as having a negative or positive impact on them or whether they considered it irrelevant in today's society. Now, what's interesting is, is the findings, which I think reinforce a lot of what we're discussing with culture and with, with sexuality and with relationships. 
men who reported greater satisfaction with their personal growth had significantly higher mental positivity. So this has nothing to do with masculinity, but that is interesting. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. This was the strongest predictor of mental well-being in both countries. Contrary to stereotypes of declining happiness with age, this study found that older men reported higher levels of mental positivity. I also think this is really important. And there's something I heard on the Red Scare podcast recently. They were quoting someone else when they were saying this, but like there, someone apparently had some quote about how like, is wisdom really wisdom or just like the lack of hormonal influence as you get older, Like, which I kind of wonder about that. But I do think that when it comes to people, especially men idolizing that very young Andrew Tate kind of mindset, I think this is good evidence or like just another little note that the Andrew Tate mindset, the youthful mindset, the highly hormonal mindset does not necessarily correlate with satisfaction and well-being. Well, and I think that when most people think about like masculinity, masculinity, the masculinity that is being bemoaned by the left the most or that is most threatening to them, it's the stoicism form of masculinity. Mm, um, yeah. And it is not the, you know, bombastic Andrew Tatey masculinity. Yeah. And it makes sense that if you build a culture, to me at least, it just seems intuitive, that shames a stoic approach to life, that that culture is going to have much, much lower mental health than yeah. a culture that embraces a more stoic approach to life. 100%. Um, and, and this also goes to the other video that we had filmed, which will probably come out before this, on sexuality. Mm. And, you know, when we teach our kids about sex, and I was talking in that one about when I personally was younger, like hormones, a lot of people are like, don't you want to be like pumped up on tons of testosterone? Don't you want to be like, no, like no. that's terrible. No. It's like, not a good It feeling. is not good for your mental health. Yeah. I can see how any male is going to increasingly get better mental health the further they escape the tyranny of their pre-programmed biological instincts, 100%. which is, is, is not the same as masculinity. The pre-programmed biological instincts is boyishness. Yes. It's very different than masculinity. You know, boyishness yeah. is like, I'm going to fight everyone. I'm going to play with my little toy soldiers. I'm going to, you know, everything's a threat to me. The root cause of all of the world's problems is basically that there's not enough men who walk around their houses with swords. There's not enough men like me who do whatever they want. If every man on earth walked around with a sword, then when the females who have been emotionally manipulated try and manipulate the men, the men won't listen. That will make the female have more respect for the man. And most of the issues of the world would basically go away. Whereas I think masculinity is much more being like an icebreaker to life. Yeah, interesting. Now, you know, I was thinking like, well, then what are like archetypes of boyishness versus masculinity? And you kind of have Odysseus versus Achilles, right? So Achilles yes. is like, he throws Great. a tantrum, he hides in his tent, you know, he like, you know, it just does severe problems emotionally, very clearly. I mean, the man is worse than, you know, a woman with PMS who has borderline personality disorder. And then you have Odysseus who just like plays the long game, tries his best to not get distracted, uh, is obviously obviously an imperfect person, but fights through. Yeah, that's interesting. Clear in the way the study was worded, it would have captured Odysseus masculinity much more than it would have captured this boyishness you see in Achilles. And yeah. I, I really couldn't think of a better dichotomy here. And it's just important, you know, our younger viewers to not overly conflate masculinity with being like Achilles. Because he <laughs> acts like a little bitch, to be honest. He 
does though. And he was very not helpful. Anyway, so in terms of what the study found with masculinity, now we already talked, I mean, well, they, yeah. They, so in addition to like age being more correlated with happiness and men who were satisfied with their personal growth being more happy, also men who were satisfied with their health were more like, so like, thank you, Captain Obvious. And there are so many psychology studies that are like, this is just like, you know, people who are healthy seem happier. <laughs> but here, so perhaps most notably, says SciPost.org, the study found that men who had a less negative view of masculinity reported higher levels of mental positivity. This was particularly evident in the UK sample. In other words, when men disagreed with statements such as, quote, masculinity prevents me from talking about how I feel about my problems, unquote, they tended to have a better overall mental outlook. In Germany, not only did a less negative view of masculinity correlate with better mental health, but a positive view of masculinity was also a significant predictor of higher mental positivity. Positive views of masculinity encompassed attitudes such as feeling a sense of protectiveness toward women and a desire to be a strong pillar of support for one's family. Again, total Odysseus, not Achilles. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and, and what's very interesting is... Uh, these, if you look at somebody like Andrew Tate, these are things that he wouldn't have answered. Right. He, he or or not as, as strongly. I mean, some of his statements say that he might be on the edge or he would have a different relation to these questions than mm -hmm. I think normal people would. But it's, it's really capturing that sort of stoic sort of monogamous father figure within yes. a family yeah. Is, yeah. is what's being measured here. The provider. And more than that, one who doesn't make excuses for why he's not doing things. If you look at the question like, my masculinity prevents me from sharing my emotions. These are people who are not saying that this is a problem for them, right? And I wouldn't say that it's a problem for me in that I, I think masculinity or not masculinity, showing emotions is sinful, especially indulging in them. And I expect my wife just as much as me to not indulge in that aspect of, of, of personality. I think that when you indulge in an individual's emotions, I mean, one of the most toxic things you can have in a relationship is the belief that an emotional state is justification for an action. Oh, yeah. Say, I did this because I was angry. It's like, well, then learn to control your anger. Or I acted this way because you made me feel this way. Well, fucking suck it up. I, though how I made you feel has nothing to do. My actions were designed to move our family towards a goal. If that ended up impeding your feelings then that's something that you need to work on. And that was a personal failure on your part, not a mandate for some sort of counteraction. Precisely. Yeah. I, I also, I, I think it's interesting that they highlighted this protectiveness towards women as a something as, as a notable element of masculinity. Cause it's just not really something that's discussed. I think these days, because frankly, women feel much more like the aggressors these days than, than people I to protect but then when I think about all the things that I associate with more traditional masculinity that I find to be really hot, but also that I find to be really pro-social, it is, you know, when men open doors for women, even when men reflexively stand up when a woman gets up at a table, you know, in a formal dining situation, you know, just all these like sort of shows of protectiveness and deference, the, the way that you, for example, walk on the the which whichever is the dangerous side of the street and help me around and help me with bags and everything like that which you constantly do because obviously i'm like carrying dangerous amounts of stuff to i don't know i have a death wish so yeah it's i think that's interesting and i also think that like there there there's always these these vestigial parts vestigial parts of my 
progressive upbringing that will like screech out when it reads things like this of being like oh protective toward women that's disgusting women don't need protection but then i also think about like when we think about traditional femininity women are not protective toward men no but they are very nurturing toward men mm-hmm. and i think that you know both both versions of of positive masculinity and positive femininity actually involve taking a lot of responsibility and and making the well-being of someone else part of your uh, personal responsibility. So masculinity involves protecting women and doing right by women. Femininity involves nurturing men and supporting well, I think men. It's more than protecting women, I think it's making the well-being of others your personal responsibility. You know, back to yes. that, quote that we always say the difference between a citizen and a civilian is a citizen makes the safety of the human race their personal responsibility. Yes. Um, but I think that that's a very masculine way of relating to one's nation mm-hmm. or one's species, yeah. whereas women see the nurturing of the human race as their, as personal, their personal responsibility. responsibility. But also you're not seeing that. Like that is that is something that is absent from modern femininity in a way that I think is, is damaging. And I, I don't think, mm-hmm. like I think, the instinct is, oh, women don't do it because it doesn't do them any good. But I actually think that the primary beneficiary of both male protectiveness towards women and female nurturing towards men is the giver. Like yeah. you gain self-ownership, self-mastery, responsibility, an internal locus of control, and frankly, greater control over a situation when you are in in the process of assisting someone else because it sort of forces you to not be hopeless and and helpless and Mm -hmm. and flailing about it forces you to be in command of a situation you know it almost you you, you remember the story of with the the hamas attacks there was that one jewish grandmother who like gave tea to uh oh yes until they they were able to all be murdered yeah that that's a very interesting like death through nurturing they were going to kill her and her husband and she's this little old lady yeah and she's like Uh, well like i'm gonna make you tea like don't you you're probably hungry right now try to treat them as hospitably impossible while she was feeding information to the idf about where the people were in the house and everything like Mm -hmm. that to the point where they were able to kill them before they they killed the old couple which they were talking about doing they were planning on doing but she was just so nurturing and non-threatening in the way she was acting but it's still a very feminine threat yeah and it's a very feminine form of ownership right it's a very feminine form of taking command Mm -hmm. you know how did she do it and how did she do it in a way that didn't stop men in 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 a moment of very high aggression from stymieing her like obviously had she acted in a in a masculine fashion she would have been instantly killed right but she reacted in a i mean this goes back why am i on the odyssey right now but like you know what did odysseus's wife do oh yes with all the suitors she um... all the suitors she what she hosted them she hosted Mm -hmm. them and she bought time and she bought a lot of time (laughs) a heroic amount of time yeah telemachus telemachus was probably super confused you know she's just like you know she didn't say yes to anyone so anyway i think that's that the just like the 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 note of protecting women well, i also love this aggressive that. hosting that you're sort of talking about aggressive here. hostile hosting uh yeah everyone's got to watch out if someone's hosting you too many times defensive defensive hosting yeah the, yeah tactile well, hosting there's different ways that cultures relate to femininity and masculinity and i think that this is yeah. also really important there are the aspects 
of us that are biologically hard coded, yes. which I think exists between cultural groups. Mm -hmm. But I'm almost certain that there are, you know, some genetic differences between cultural groups in terms of like the average sociological profile of a male. Yeah. And, and that's why I was like, this is German and UK male. men, right? Yeah. Well, no, but I, the, the point I'm making is, is I don't know if, if women, for example, of all, you know, ethnocultural groups have exactly the same sociological profile when when you think about how they contrast with men for example women in our group are generally much more masculine and aggressive i think in a, in the, in the in the context of defense than would be expected of other cultural groups i think that's in american women do you think that's because of the preponderance of scots irish women yes it's it's likely due to the preponderance of scotch irish women and people who were living on the frontier for a long time yeah because frontier <laughs> living requires we talked about this in the episode of why don't you own guns of, of martial cultures versus non-martial cultures mm -hmm. and often the most extreme martial cultures see it as the responsibility of not just the man to defend the household but the woman to defend the household and mm -hmm. so you typically see weapons training in both men and women and this is the the cultural group that we are predominantly descended from and thus when i think about what nurturing means to me a part of nurturing is the literal protection that you show towards the family which other cultures wouldn't see things that way. So I, I don't think that your natural instinct, if somebody broke into our house, I mean, you literally have an AR-15 right next to where you work, is, is not to, you know, bake them tea and cook it. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. And that's why, in, and not just in that room, in every room, there's a little, a little surprise, be it my bow and arrow <laughs> or the bear spray, your giant hammer, <laughs> the rifle, sorry, the over-under shotgun. Anyway, the the, what many psychologists though had had come up with which I, I i don't know it still resonates with me and it's still how i sometimes react in a panic situation is that while men on average are more likely to have a fight or flight response women may tend to show instead a tend and befriend response where mm, very they good show, way to put like, it I, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna i'm gonna watch after my children i'm gonna try to protect who's around me and i'm gonna try to befriend the new people who have taken over my village and I'm now going to be enslaved to you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. Like, I, I, I think that there, well, so there are cultural differences. Study, but... We mentioned this in the pragmatist guide to sexuality under the evolution of sexuality that was looking at games and it showed that when in like a, I think it was like physical sports games, when it, you had men and they were on a team and their team was beginning to lose they would show more camaraderie with their teammates. Mm -hmm. um, whereas game. when women's teams began to lose, they would actually begin to show more camaraderie with the opposing team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, which, which makes absolute sense. You know, mm -hmm. if your village is being raided and you're a man, you are going to die almost certainly. Mm -hmm. if, yeah, no, they have to kill you. Lose. They have to kill you. You're, you're too much of a liability. Yeah. Whereas with women, you gain an advantage from doing this tendon befriend response. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't still have loyalty to your group and that, you know, when people's backs are turned, you're not going to end up killing them, well, right? That, yeah. But only insofar as you can go back to the way things used to be. You know, well, it, and it's in your evolutionary best interest to befriend and stay alive as long as possible. And the, the way to stay alive as long as possible is to be as friendly and non-threatening as you can because you may you are not as likely to be killed by default. 
Yeah, and a lot of people, they point this out and they're like, this is why women shouldn't vote. And this, you know, does, they, they'll say that this causes differential voting behavior in men and women, and that if women weren't voting, we would have uh, better outcomes. And I don't know, like, I actually, I, I want to come at this, like, as, as much of an outsider as possible. Is this true? I mean, women do vote proportionally more for consensus ideas, okay. which is you know potentially not something you would want in a in an electorate but i think that generally you'd probably just be better like if you're like oh limit voting to this group or that group you'd probably be better limiting voting to people with kids like i think yeah. that that actually makes sense because these people have a vested interest in the future of a country and and a and a proven mm, no 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 okay i'm going to say no i'm going to say people who are contributing something well, i mean we'll do something on the state that we created but one of the features of it is very much in line with what simone said where within one of the branches of government your vote is literally just how much you pay in taxes mm -hmm. and that is the sign of your societal contribution mm -hmm. and and that's that's very different from these other systems but i'm just thinking more broadly like like is it women's fault like is it women getting the vote fault no no not at all i, I don't think that that's a good description of how things fell apart but yeah. do women vote differently for men because they respond differently in these sort of conflict situations and a lot of people they're like well you know when women talk about this they're like well if women controlled society women would like like if there'd be more peace there'd be less war because women have this nurturing response which is actually like verifiably not true from the evidence mm -hmm. if you look at during the european medieval ages there was a study done we cited i think in our relationships book the practice guide relationships and it shows that women actually when they were uh, in charge of a country when they were queen instead of king the country was much more likely to go to war which is interesting now you can say well this is because they needed to secure their positions or whatever because their rules were more tenuous maybe sure, they're compensating yeah but also like women are terrifying so i don't know i i also i i question though the extent to which this these dynamics of conflict and like the winning party translate over to to politics, like to political issues. Like I, I, I don't. Are you denying that men and women vote differently? No, no, no. I, I do think I do. Well, we know, we know that men and women vote differently and have very different. What's the point that you're making? Well, I just, I mean, like if we're talking about like losing or winning in a sports game or something like sort of this like zeitgeist, I'm going to go with the winning aggressor thing. I don't think that's translating over to political. Uh, well, then what would you say about, I mean, this is the way this is often framed within rightoid circles is they say that this response is why women are so pro-immigration and mm -hmm. so pro-immigrant groups that are clearly hostile with these groups and i should point out not all immigrant groups are hostile to the to yeah, the but i think that's ignorance I, but I, there I are don't. some immigrant groups that are clearly hostile to native yeah. populations yeah and but i think that's that's ignorance to the hostility because the types of media outlets that women mm -hmm. follow the stories that get the most clicks and that drive the ad revenue and therefore get the attention on women's predominantly women's or, or women heavy platforms are those feel-good stories, those victim stories, those, oh, look at the cute children crossing the border stories, or look at the sad baby that died because he couldn't cross the border stories, instead of the look at these criminals who are coming in and raping people stories, because women don't like those stories. Women don't read those stories at the same rate. They don't share them at the same rate. That is like, again, coming back to this, like, again, women nurture, men protect. 
even well, if they, they are more that, interested right? in the stories that trigger nurturing instincts, like this baby died because it wasn't getting fed, uh-huh. and less interested in the stories that trigger their defense instincts. Because like women aren't into protecting. That's not their job. Mm, so because of the way that the online environment is sorting it information, they're information. not getting access to the same types of information. That's a very uh-huh. interesting point. Yeah, and I was just going through, as, as you and I were talking about this morning, this report on public opinion on nuclear power. And the like a huge, huge, huge predictor of whether someone was in favor of nuclear power as a green energy source and in general was if they felt, if they self-reported that they were informed about it, but also women were both less informed about it and less in favor of it. And again, I think it's, it's about what, you know, so again, yeah, I think this is, and again, this is nobody's fault, right? Like women just click through on certain types of articles more. And that means that women have your publications only like sort of show a skewed perception of reality. Well, versus biological like, differences that they yeah, had no choice in. Yes. Yeah. Going back to like, you know, all this femininity, masculinity nonsense. Not that, I mean, it's like, it's, it, I feel weird talking about this because you and I are not like, obsessed with um feminine and masculine roles but we do very comfortably slot into them in our own household for sure yeah um which is weird so yeah i i just it's what i'm curious about is how this would translate over in like china japan india cultures that i understand less like how much of of masculinity as we understand it is a is a European thing. What if this study were to be executed in Korea? Would mm-hmm. we see different results? I I don't know. I'm curious. But Very uh, interesting point. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. And I mean, who knows? There could be confounding factors here. You know, like it could be that people who associate more with masculinity are <laughs> just more likely to be conservative. And people who are conservative are more likely to also be religious and therefore have a stronger, harder cultural background and therefore a bunch of traditions and lifestyle amenities that just encourage better mental health. So it's not actually the masculinity that's causing better mental health, but rather the association with harder culture and a more disciplined mindset that that is at play here. Like, So maybe it's not the masculinity itself that makes people have better mental health. But. One thing I'd really like to see is women who are more masculine or rate themselves as more masculine, do they have better mental health? Huh. <clears throat> yeah. And I yeah. would guess that they do. I can Google this really quickly. Hold on. I don't, I, I'm not sure. And I, I, I guess the reason why I, I kind of have my doubts is. Uh, reason- you're, uh, right. It's, it, it's sorry, been a study done in uh-huh. both genders. Masculinity was associated with greater psychological well-being. In both genders, femininity was associated with lower psychological well-being. <laughs> well, you, being a woman so hard. Okay, <laughs> leave feelings and I'm so sorry for your feelings and hysteria, and we give birth to babies and it's horrible i don't know how to deal with well i'm so glad that you were not as infected with femininity as your average woman less basically not even female i mean really if i have to take the same amount of estrogen pills as like your average trans person don't i count as like not really a woman no wait that's really offensive oh sorry (laughs) Uh oh oh. i love you bye (laughs) 
Love you too, Simone. And you are very feminine, by the way, and very hot. Okay. Oh, thank you. Not as gorgeous as you are. Oh my God. I love you so much, Malika. I love you too. <laughs>